Blog Talk Radio.
Welcome to Prayer International Radio. I'm your host, Sean Holmberg, along with Christopher Herzog, who will be here joining us in a little bit. Our call-in number tonight, 619-638-8458. And if you need prayer for something, give us a call. If you have something on your heart, something you want to talk about, give us a call. We have a chat room open at blogtalkradio.com forward slash prayerinternational. If you can't make it to a phone, you can always email us at prayerinternational at gmail.com. We wanted to thank all those who are listening to us through Blog Talk Radio, whether it's through the Blog Talk Radio website or through our own website, which is prayerinternational.org. <clears throat> so, not sure exactly where we're going tonight. I have an idea, but I could be wrong. So, let's start this off the right way and seek the face of God. Father, Lord, we lay down these next two hours for your presence, Father, that you would make your presence through your Holy Spirit known to us. Father, that you tonight would grant us wisdom, Lord, and discernment into the things of your spirit, Father, into the things of your heart, Lord, the things of your character. Father, that you would reveal to us the mystery of your will in our lives, Father, which you purposed in us, Father, which you made manifest when your own Son, Christ Jesus, died upon the cross and then ascended into heaven after being raised from the dead by your Holy Spirit. Father in him, this Jesus, you seated at your right hand and you've put all things under his feet, made everything to be in subjection to him, Father. You've given him the name that is above every name. As your word declares that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Father, we come tonight Seeking only your face, Father Seeking to hear your voice for our lives, Lord And not only for our lives, but for our friends and family, Father For our acquaintances, for our neighbors, Lord For our communities, for our cities, Father For our countries, our nations, Lord Father, from one end of this earth to the other, Lord You have made your grace known and manifested Father, and we ask that you would exalt the name of Jesus tonight in this broadcast, Lord. That you would confirm your word, Father, with signs and wonders. Lord, that your word would be true tonight, Father. And so we come into agreement, Father. As your word says, if any two of you are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst. Now, Father, we know that you're omnipresent, Father. We know that your presence dwells throughout this universe, Father. Lord, you said, Where is, what is the house that we will build for you since your hands have created all things? And everything, heaven and earth, belongs to you, Father. So, Lord, we rejoice, Father, and we marvel at your excellence in our lives. Father, we marvel at your grace in our lives. Father, we bow our hearts to you tonight, Father. Declaring that you are Lord and that you are King over our lives, Father. And we give you these next two hours that you would be glorified, Jesus, in our midst. 
that you would be glorified and your presence would be manifested in our lives, Lord. That we may come to the fullness of knowledge of knowing you, Father, just as you have known us. Even before we were first formed in our mother's wombs, Lord, you knew us. So, Father, give us that intimate knowledge of you, Father, of your person, of your character, Father, of your heart and your desires, Lord, of your dreams and visions for our lives, Father, and for this world, and for the rest of the body of Christ, Lord, who's out there, Father, whom you said that you're building up, Father, a temple for your Holy Spirit, Father, a body of believers, Father, your Son, Christ Jesus, be in the head. Father, and we pray not only for the believers, Father, but also for all those, Lord, in whom you've called, Father. Father, your word declares that you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, Lord. So, Father, we seek tonight that you would change the hearts of men, Father. You would reveal to them through your grace, Father, through your goodness, Lord, your love in their lives, Father. You would reveal to them the overwhelming power of the love of Jesus, Father. The unending love which you had for us, Lord. Even when we still were dead in trespasses and sin, Father. And make this love manifest to them, Father. Give them eyes to see and ears to hear, Father, once again. So they can turn their hearts towards you, Father that they may obtain salvation, Lord, and eternal life through your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for all those Christians, Lord, who are out on the missions fields and underground churches, Lord. Those who are boldly proclaiming your word, Father, and nations that don't accept your word, Father. Those who face persecution and death, Father, every day of their lives, Lord, as your word declared would happen. So, Father, we ask for your grace and your strength in their lives, Father, that the anointing of your Holy Spirit would guard them and protect them, Father, and give them wisdom and discernment, Father, and knowledge and supernatural knowledge, Father, of the events that are happening, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Once again, our call-in number is 619-638-8458. This is prayer international radio so uh sunday night broadcast um we were just going to do the weekends for an hour but um so chris could have the weekend off but tonight he really has um a leading from the holy spirit to join us so he'll be joining us in about an hour um you know tonight i don't even know um like always i have no idea what he's going to talk about and he never really knows what I'm going to talk about. which So we usually just leave it to the Holy Spirit um, to have his way and his will be done. And um, these broadcast for only he knows what he's actually doing and the people whose hearts are being changed and turned toward him. And those who may be listening, even if it's your first time listening, um, just to let you know that he's real more real than you could possibly imagine. And the love he has for you is bigger than you could possibly comprehend. And if you're listening tonight and you can hear the sound of my voice, 
the most important thing you'll ever hear on this broadcast is the love of Christ. As the scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And then again where it says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You won't hear much in these broadcasts of us condemning sin, because as far as we're concerned, sin is sin, and the Bible declares that all have sinned and fallen short the glory of God. It says there are none righteous, not one. It says even for those who would attempt to gain salvation and favor from the Lord based on their good works, it says that our righteousness is as filthy rags, and our works are less than that. And our very salvation, our very life, is only through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's through him that we have obtained righteousness and have been declared perfect before the Father in heaven, having all our sins washed away, been granted a clean conscience, and being granted a new heart and the ability and the access to come before the Father of all heaven and earth where it says, come boldly to the throne of grace in which we're accepted in the time of need. And it says that he himself has made a way, having destroyed the veil and the barrier between us and the Father, and has given us a ministry of reconciliation, reconciling the world unto God. And so this is not about sin. It's about relationship. Um, and it's about the heart of the Lord Jesus who desires that all men come to the knowledge of the love of the Father for their lives and of the grace that is freely given the free gift of salvation for all and for whomever would believe and put their trust in Christ and so we rest solely upon his grace and his mercy in our lives for without which we could do nothing and our strength will, as humans, will always fail. But his, it's his grace that helps us even survive day to day. He said, for my grace is sufficient, and my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And, you know, what some people wonder um, about the grace of God and what it actually means. Um, and... There's a lot of different ways you could take the grace of God. Um, someone described it once to me that in the Old Testament they had laws and ordinances and commandments, hundreds of them to follow, and not just the top ten that you hear about in Sunday school. But it was commandments that no man could possibly fulfill but in return would point them to the author of our salvation, Jesus Christ, and upon the grace that only comes through faith in the Lord Jesus. But there was a list, a blackboard, if you will, of offenses committed, and which the sacrifice of, of bulls and goats and um, everything else that a high priest would make once a year as a substitution for the punishment that we had deserved. You know, when the Lord Jesus came and grace came 
and we were put under the law of grace. It meant that there is no blackboard anymore. There's no list of offenses committed. For we who live by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ don't have a tally of our offenses because they've been washed far, they've been washed away from us. They've been removed as far as the east is from the west, and the Father has forgiven us and removed them from his memory so that when he looks at us, he doesn't see our offenses or our sins. He doesn't see our shortcomings or our failures. He doesn't see anything like that. And it gives us the ability to walk, not in the shame that the world would put upon us and the shame that the enemy would try to burden us, burden us with or that our own hearts would burden us with feeling that we would deserve such punishment, which in reality we do. But under the law of grace, we who have been sanctified by the blood of Jesus have been declared righteous, and we've been declared holy and perfect in the eyes of the Father, not through any work that we could possibly do, but through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, grace is God's unmerited favor in our lives, which does not only apply to salvation, it applies to every area of our lives, our very strength. Um, Everything is because of him and through him and for him. It's all for his glory and honor. It's never for the honor and the glory of any man. It's not about having churches. It's not about having followers or any kind of name that would be great in this earth. Because the only name that should ever be exalted and will ever be exalted is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you need prayer for something, give us a call. Our call-in number is 619-638-8458. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back.
Savior leading. I was drawn to what I could not understand. And for the cause of Christ, I spent my days believing. And what He'd have me be is who I am. As I've come to see the weaker side of me. I've realized His grace is what I need When sin demanded justice for my soul Mercy said no
something, give us a call. So, uh, grace of God seems like a good um, direction to go in tonight. Um, You know, my wife asked me something once about the difference between walking in faith and His grace and walking in His grace and what the difference is and where mercy comes into the picture. And, you know, I've lived a um, very interesting life, me and him. Um, As far as I've lived a life of grace and saying the unmerited favor of God would by no means come close to scratching the surface to the extent and the magnitude of his grace being poured out in my life. You know, the Bible says that the just shall live by faith, and it says that we walk by faith and not by sight. And one way I describe this to my wife once is that faith is the process upon which we act in our trust of the Lord. And that we trust him that he is who he says he is. And that we believe that he is who he says he is and Not only that, but our trust in him believes that he is able to do everything that he has promised in our lives. That he's not like another man who's going to lie. He's not like a man who will depart and forsake us when things aren't going just right. The Lord is faithful and long-suffering in our lives, patient and every good quality you could imagine is the ones that he actually actively displays in our lives. And so through that, we learn to trust him at his word. We learn to believe him at his word, that when he says he's going to do something, that means he's going to do it. His word says that the words that have come from his mouth will not return to him void, but they'll accomplish that for which he sent them. And so we take that trust that we have in him and we take a step of faith, not knowing how he may accomplish certain things, not knowing what manner that he'll use to provide or to assist us in various areas and struggles and trials and mountains that we have in our lives. But we take a step of faith and walk out upon the open waters 
knowing that his word is said that though we pass through the waters, they will not overtake us, and through the fire we will not be consumed. And, you know, the process by which the Lord actively works in our lives is where grace comes in. You know, Brother um, Lawrence, who I mentioned before in an earlier broadcast, was this, for you new listeners, he was this monk who had developed a unique relationship with the Lord that wasn't based on anything but keeping a constant observation of the presence of the Lord and constantly keeping his mind focused on him for everything. And, you know, someone asked him once about sin, and because the Bible says that all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And in First John it says that if anyone claims he has not sinned, he's a liar. But it says if anyone sins, we have an advocate with Jesus Christ the righteous. But Brother Lawrence said, you know, when I mess up, which we all do, he said, I immediately throw myself upon the grace and the mercy of the Father. I declare that I'm only a man, saved by grace. And then I tell the Lord, this is who I am, and I'm trusting you to do something about it. And that any change that's going to happen in me is going to happen not because of my own abilities or my own strength, but because of your grace and your mercy and your power in my life. You know, grace is trusting in the Lord for everything in our lives, for every minute of every day that we live by his grace. Um, We live by his mercy. We live by his strength. Because if not, I mean, the very fact that we are, Jesus said that I know whom are mine and the enemy cannot snatch them in the way, snatch them away. And the very process by which we are transformed into his image and his likeness, as the Bible says, we are being transformed from glory to glory. You know, the very process of our minds being renewed by the word of God and us developing the character and the likeness of him is done through his grace. Because it's not about our own actions. It's not about our own works. It's not about what we deserve for our own abilities and our own attempts. You know, grace is when the Lord says that he's going to bless us regardless of what we actually deserve in our lives. It's the favor, it's the love, it's the blessing of the Father upon all of us who believe in him and simply come to the point of trusting in his name. You know, it says in Hebrews, those who come to God must first believe that he is. But then it immediately says, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You know, we talk a lot about the Lord wanting to shower us with gifts, and um, and I don't necessarily mean financial gifts, um, emotional gifts. Um, there's far more prosperity to be had than what can be found in riches, the riches of this earth. The Bible says we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And there's a whole realm full of blessings that can be obtained in our life, but that only come through him. It's nothing that we can personally do. Um, even salvation has nothing to do with us. 
um, I can sit up here and I could preach the very best, most eloquent message pleading on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. But my words, in effect, mean nothing. My ability to preach a good message means nothing. Um, and which, even though I'm not a preacher, it's not the point. Because um, I don't even think I preach that good. But, um, but what I'm saying is, is that, you know, you can listen to some preachers out there or people who they speak so amazingly that you're just enraptured by by listening. You can't – they have your focus and your concentration, and you're just enamored and unable to move because you're so deep and from whatever you're hearing. But even those words themselves have absolutely no weight, and they have no power. There's nothing about them that – or about me or about Chris or about any of us, anybody else in the body of Christ. There's nothing that we possess in our own selves that would be praiseworthy or glorious. It's we're simple men working for a magnificent God, joined into a partnership with him where by faith we take steps to be obedient to his word and allow his grace to, to work actively in our lives to accomplish the word which he sent. You know, the scriptures say that the disciples went forth preaching the word of God and the Holy Spirit was confirming the word with signs and wonders. And what we don't always realize when, you know, when I say it's not just about, it's not about us, it's about him and it's not about what we say. Um, Paul said that I came not to you with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in fear and trembling. And he said that your faith may not be in men, but in the power of God. And, you know, in the background, what we don't see when someone comes to the Lord Jesus is that there is something happening in their lives in the background that we don't see that gets them ready and their hearts are turned and softened to the point that they can actually accept him, that their eyes are revealed to the difference between what the world has to offer and what the Lord Jesus has to offer. And, you know, for most people in the world who have not been made aware of the power of Jesus in their lives, who have not had their eyes open to taste the goodness of God, they're completely blinded to the things of God um, and can't understand them. They can't comprehend them, and it's not their fault. And you probably won't hear many Christians say that. But it says those things, the Bible says that those things are spiritually discerned and the world can't accept them. But it says the goodness of God leads men to repentance. And so we pray and we intercede on behalf of those people who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ so that in the process their hearts can be changed and turned. Um, because the Lord sees the hearts. He doesn't see the outward appearance. I mean, he does, but... The Lord never judges us by our outward appearance. And most changes that happen don't change. You don't change the physical first and then your heart. You change your heart first and then out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks, it says. And so after your heart has been changed and set upon the Lord, then the, everything else about you changes your personality, changes your character, your actions. Your physical walk is changed after the transformation that first happens in your heart. Um, the scripture says, um, 
that he would take the stony heart out and give us a heart of flesh, a heart that is desiring to serve him, a heart that desires to seek him and to follow after him. When it said that David was a man after his own heart, it means that David's heart had been so shaped and formed that his heart was constantly in pursuit of the Lord. But it wasn't because David just started off that way. It was because the Lord had to work in him to get him to that place. Is that David had to develop a relationship with the Lord of constantly trusting the Lord, seeing the Lord fulfill his word. And through that, through the grace in David's life, David came to a place in his intimacy with the Lord of that the Lord could say that David was a man after his own heart. You know, I have... When I say I've lived by grace, even financially speaking, I've never been rich. Um, don't know if I'd ever, ever will or would ever care to be. Because, you know, finances and money and all that other stuff are great. But when I'm gone, which could be any minute now for any of us, None of that stuff will follow me. The only thing, like we said last night, the only lasting legacy that we have to leave upon this earth when we depart is our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and the people that are affected through our relationship with the Lord. And, you know, I've had periods of time where I've, and Chris has is the same way, where there's been periods of time where the finances and the money were something that there was no human wisdom available to tell us how the next bill was going to get paid, how the Lord was going to provide. But grace declares that the Lord is going to provide because his word declares that that's what his character is. And since he is a gracious God, we trust him at his word and watch him perform his word. And through his grace, he actually performs this word of being a provider in our lives and causing provision to come where there is no provision, um, sort of like um, the children of Israel walking through the desert, and they had seen other miracles. They had seen um, the Red Sea part. They had seen Pharaoh let them go. Um, all the plagues um, from the land of Egypt that the Lord had caused to happen so that the children of Israel would be set free from their captivity. And so they had witnessed the Lord, and they should have at this point trusted him because they had seen him over and over and over and over again be faithful in their lives to fulfill his word that he had said over them. But even then, they still didn't trust him, and they're out in the wilderness, and they're complaining and disputing with the Lord. I don't have this. I don't have this, blah, blah, blah. But they get to the point where they have the manna, and then even though – like bread is falling from the sky and appearing out of nowhere. Um, There's still need in their lives, and so now they're thirsty and they need water. So the father tells Moses to take his staff and hit a rock, and water comes from a rock. Well, you may think, okay, well, he could have hit any rock. Well, you know, he probably couldn't have um, because there's not that many rocks in the desert that are spouting water. So and I don't and it doesn't say that he sat there and hit all the rocks. He didn't just hit one and then be like, Nope, that's not it. Let me go to this one and that's not it. Let me go to this one. He didn't keep doing that until he found the right rock. Now, what happened was the Lord God told him, Hit a rock and 
the minute that his faith interacted with the word of God in obedience to the word of God, the grace of the Lord came and then the rock that he hit was the one the water came out of. But the water probably wasn't in the rock until after he hit it. And then when he hit it is when the miracle happens. You know, it's our steps of faith in trusting in the Lord to fulfill his word in our lives. That is where his grace comes into effect over our lives and covers our lives. Um, and we had talked about this before, and I guess I can say it briefly. You know, most of the miracles that Jesus performed outside of the ones where he laid hands on the sick, and but most of the actual miracle miracles that he performed, uh, changing the water into wine, things like that, um, the breaking of the bread. It was never Jesus who actually did the miracle but Jesus giving us an example and a pattern of how a relationship with God and us working with the Father actually works. Like it says in Ephesians, where his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that the Lord prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And what it means is that since the beginning, God has always sought to have a covenant partnership with his people. Even with Abraham, he said, I will create a covenant with me and you. That is everlasting, and the word covenant means it's a relationship pact that is entered into that cannot be broken. And, you know, so Jesus, the turning water into wine, it wasn't Jesus who said, he didn't say go find the water pots that have wine in them and take them out, because we already know there wasn't any wine. But he told them to go fill up some pots full of water and then take it out to the to the guests. Well, Jesus didn't go touch the water pots. He didn't go fill any of the water pots with water. He probably, there was probably more than just the, however many water pots for the disciples that were there. So, but what happened was, so, I mean, these disciples pick up these water pots, they fill them with water. And so they're not filling them with wine, they're filling them with water. They're doing exactly what the Lord said, nothing's happened yet. But then the second they're obedient and take these pots full of new water, and they take him out to the guests of the feast, it's become wine. And, you know, it wasn't through Jesus doing a miracle in the beginning, but Jesus, because Jesus could have easily said, okay, now all the water in this place, all the all the, um, the wells are now going to be filled with wine. I mean, he could have easily said that. I mean, if he wanted to, he could have produced 100 barrels full of wine. Because um, the Bible says that he created everything from nothing. But what he wanted to do is he wanted to show a partnership. And he wanted to show us what happens when we're obedient and what obedience really means when it comes to trusting the Lord to fulfill his word, that we act upon his word. Because, you know, the disciples had no ability to turn the water into anything. They really didn't. I mean, if they had Kool-Aid, they could have probably, like, put Kool-Aid in there. But even that wouldn't have really done the trick for a wedding feast. But what the Lord's wanting to show is the partnership. And so he gives the command. They're obedient to step out in faith, not knowing, having any clue what is about to happen. Not having any clue how the Lord is going to turn water into wine or why he's even wanting water to begin with. But by obedience, they stepped out in faith. And through their act of faith, trusting in him to be able to fulfill his word, the grace of the Lord came in. And the water became wine. 
the same thing with feeding the 5,000. You know, Jesus had so many loaves of bread, and he could have produced as many as he wanted. He could have had more manna fall from the sky. He could have produced a miracle to feed 5,000 people in a hundred different ways. But what he wanted to show, once again, is the relationship, partnership that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ and the step of faith and the walk of faith and how it produces grace in our lives when we're obedient. And so he breaks a few small loaves of bread, a few fish. He hands it out to his disciples. And he, so the disciples hold their hands out, and the Lord Jesus is like, here, take this. You get, like, this piece, part of the head. You get the part with the, with the tail. You get, like, a little piece of bread here. And then he turns around, and he tells them to hand it out. Well, the miracle didn't happen when they're, when they're holding their hands out for Jesus. It didn't happen until they took the step of faith and started passing it out, and that's where the miracle happened. Because at that point, Jesus no longer had the bread in his hand. He wasn't still blessing it. He wasn't still passing it out. At that point, it was the disciples doing the, doing the work. But it was the grace of the Lord and the miracle of the Lord to perform his word and to confirm his word after they had become obedient to his word. And so they took a step of faith, trusting in the Lord that he once again was able to fulfill their word the word that he has spoken to them. And then grace came in and performed the word in their lives. And the miracle happened. You know, and grace is like that. Um, grace is the fact that we become obedient to the Lord. We dedicate our lives and give our lives over to him for everything. We trust him not just with our own salvation, but we trust him with everything, every minute of every day, our families, our health, our our jobs, our finances. We trust him for where we live, for our family, for our friends. Everything you can name, we trust him for. And we believe that his word is true and that he is a God who provides and he is a God who saves and he is a God who protects. And through the step of faith and obedience and walking out, a relationship that is built upon trust in his word alone, then we see the grace of the Lord manifested in our lives that covers more areas than you could have possibly imagine. So um, our call-in number tonight, 619-638-8458. We are going to take a, another really quick break, and we'll be back in just a few minutes.
So, welcome back to Prayer International Radio. Once again, our call-in number is 619-638-8458. If you need um, prayer for anything, give us a call. So, we were, in the last few minutes of the show, um, we've been talking about the grace of the Lord Jesus and the working of God's power in our lives through faith and trusting Him to fulfill His Word. And, you know, just to sort of wrap up on that... um, you know, when it, when we talk about walking in grace and not only just believing in the grace of God, but actually walking in it, one thing we're talking about is that, you know, you get to a point in your life that um, you have plans and purposes and visions and dreams and words that God has spoken over your life. And things that he wants to perform in your life And the Lord has given you dreams and visions And things that he wants to accomplish through you And so But it comes a point that you realize That none of that can happen By your own abilities It's not by our own merit It's not that we can make any any of that happen Because um, we can only do so much And the most that in the long run that we can end up doing is being being obedient to his word, trusting him, learning to trust him at his word, learning to believe that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, and that he is faithful to fulfill his word in our lives. And after that comes, we start living by grace, knowing that any change and all the transformation is because of him. And it's through him, it's through his power, not through our own. It's through his mercy and his grace in our, in our lives. Because in the long run, it's because all the glory belongs to him. And he's not going to share his glory with any of us. This isn't that I was so great and I was able to make myself into this or I was able to do this. No, it's that the Lord God, through his mercy and grace, provided a way and this demonstrated himself to be strong in our areas of weakness and demonstrated his power to save in those areas in which we couldn't save ourselves and that he was able to provide when we couldn't provide and every other thing that we need in this life we can trust him for because that's his very nature that's his very character it's his, it's the very fact that he has spoken words that we can lay our entire trust and our entire faith in. So, once again, um, Prayer International Radio, um, we're going to take our last break, and we will be back in the second half of the broadcast with Christopher Herzog.
that he would be an ever-present help in time of need, that he would be a refuge that you could run into and be safe, that he would be the one that would seek peace in the midst of your storm. And there's so many storms that we go through in life, so many circumstances and situations that we face sometimes that just in the natural and in reality can be so overwhelming emotionally, you know, physically exhausting, spiritually draining. And sometimes we need to learn to just cry out for the living God. You know, just cry out to God, just reach out to Jesus and ask for his presence, ask for his Holy Spirit to come. You know, we really need to learn. See, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, God never wants you to have to bear more than you can bear. In fact, he'll never put more on you than you can bear. I think a lot of people, the reason they fall under the weight of it, they get crushed under the weight of responsibility, they get crushed under the weight of the world and the pressures of life, The reason they get frazzled under the pressures of life are because they're not centered in the Lord. They're not founded in God. They're not running to God with their issues. And they're not listening for the answers. They're not looking. They're not watching. They're not being open to what God wants to do or bring into their lives. And so, we're going to pray and we're just going to ask the Lord to come into our midst tonight. I know the anointing has just been stirring. The presence of God is just amazing. And tonight we're going to just call on the name of the Lord. But, uh, we're going to go into some worship.
Uh, praise God, we're back. And Prayer International Radio, hey, we're going to pray. Just wanted to take some time to worship God and just allow the presence of the Lord, that president, you know, to take first place in our midst. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, tonight we just pray for everybody listening, Father, and for those around the world, Lord, those around the nation, those here in the state of Texas, even those in our Dallas, Fort Worth, Mississippi. Father, we just ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would touch everybody tonight. Father, we pray your will be done in your kingdom, come. Father, give us ears to hear your word tonight. Give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying. Father, touch and bless every person tonight. Because they are yielded and open to your Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your love in our lives. Lord, how you just Constantly are pouring out your love. Constantly pouring out your mercy. Constantly pouring out your forgiveness in our lives. And working all things together for our good, Lord. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you even take the foolish things and you use them to confound one eye. Father, you take the abased things. You take the things that the world has cast out. Take the ones that the world has cast out. And you take them as a hand gathers her chicks under her wings. You gather those to your side tonight. You gather your people under the shadow of your wing. You hide them under your wing, Lord. Pull them to your side. You comfort them so they can hear your every heartbeat, Father. I pray, Lord, that you will download the very thoughts in your heart, spirit to spirit, the deep things of God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You know, hearing and knowing God's voice is normal Christianity. And sometimes people might kind of shrink back at that or fret at that when they hear that uh, that phrase. But John 16, 13 says, Whenever he, when he, the spirit of truth, is coming, he will guide you in that truth. He will not speak in his own authority. Whoever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Now, Jeremiah 33, 3 also says, Call unto me, and I will answer you, and I will show you very mighty things that you do not know, or that thou knowest not. So that tells me is that uh, prayer is a two-way two communication. Sorry, I'm on my speakerphone here. Let me get out of here. All right, so prayer is a two-way communication. 
And the first thing the enemy likes to do is send the long distractions into our minds. And so I want to talk about that for a minute. So your mind will always be the greatest obstacle in your hearing from the Holy Spirit. Whenever you need to hear the Lord on a certain subject, the best thing to do is remove yourself from distractions that will cause your mind to wander. Maybe it's your refrigerator or the telephone or the computer or a magazine or a book. Maybe it's a a person or whatever just that may take your attention. But when you need to hear from the Lord, you need to remove yourself from distractions. And it never ceases to amaze me when, whenever I'm planning to seek the Lord. You know, whenever you're planning on seeking the Lord, isn't it crazy how your mind will get flooded with all kinds of ideas of all these things you need to do? All these things that, you know, get cluttered up. You need to pay this bill. You need to clean the house. You need to feed the dog. You need to run some errands. You need to run to the store. You need to call this person. You need to go do this activity or maybe even listen to this preaching thing on the CD or on the TV. Even Christian activities sometimes can become distractions. They can be things that cause your mind to wander, cause your mind to get flooded with these things. And the bottom line is the devil will do anything he can to distract us and keep us from hearing the Lord. I mean, maybe you may have a thought of washing your car, cleaning out the closet, or just things, just insignificant things that might come to your mind, you know, just whatever. And you know, see, the bottom line is the devil is worried about you spending time with God, and actually getting excited about praying, the devil's worried about you hearing from God. So he's trying to bring all the distractions, all the things in your mind, uh, internally and externally. See, there's internal and external distractions. A lot of times you can avoid this by making appointments with God at certain times throughout the day, even if it's times when you're getting ready or times when you're in the car or times when you're doing whatever where you can just take a little time to get alone. Because if you don't, the day will slip away. And suddenly it'll be late at night and you'll be too tired to pray. And you know, canceled prayer will wear you out. When you put off prayer and thrust yourself into the day, you'll be amazed at how little you'll accomplish and how worn out you'll be at the end of the day. I'm serious. But when you spend time with God and get refreshed in prayer and allow the Holy Spirit to come in and orchestrate your day and help you in your day, You'll be amazed at how refreshed and energized and vibrant you are 
and how God will work some things out for you, and before you know it, you'll have more energy even at the end of the day. It's amazing what the Holy Spirit can do when it quickens you, when you make room for him. And you'd be surprised how many Christians found it to be true. I'm sure other people. And along with making appointments or setting specific times to pray, it's good to have a specific place to pray sometimes. Does it condition your spirit uh, to receive from God? Just a small hideaway place. Maybe it's your car. Maybe it's a closet. Maybe it's a spare bedroom. An office. But find a place you can just get alone where you can get quiet. You can be still before God. See, if you can get in a place that has the right atmosphere, this will condition your spirit to receive from God more. It really will. Even if you can turn the lights down or close your eyes, avoid the distractions, even looking around the room. Now, if you can do this without falling asleep. Now, there's nothing spiritual about turning the lights off or closing your eyes, and there's nothing... Uh, mystical about it. It's just mainly whatever you need to do to get totally focused on God and avoid distractions. And maybe you're at a place where you can have your eyes totally open and still be centered on God. That's fine. But you need to get in a place where you can be still and get centered and get focused on the Lord. And then you want to really, when you're in this place, Make time for the Holy Spirit. Make time to worship God. Respect the Holy Spirit of God. Treat the Holy Spirit like he's a real person. The Bible says, and you'll hear me say this, Psalms 100. Enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. Enter his courts with praise. Come before his presence with thanksgiving. If you're going to get before the Lord, you're going to come before his presence. You have to be thankful. You have to be grateful. If you're going to come into his courts and the place where his presence is, the place where his glory dwells, you've got to learn to be praiseful and worship him in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? It means get honest before God. It means get your heart right. Get your heart there before God. Truth. Spirit, it means you can't think it hard enough. Just just let your heart go and open up to the, the presence and to the Spirit of God and begin to listen for His Word. Begin to listen for Him to speak to you. But you have to respect the Holy Spirit. See, God won't resist a thankful heart. He's not going to resist a grateful heart. He's attracted to gratefulness. He's attracted. God, the Holy Spirit is attracted to thankfulness. The Holy Spirit is attracted to praise and admiration. 
magnet when you begin to magnify the Lord, when you begin to lift the Lord up and parade the Lord and celebrate the Lord and thank the Lord, listen. God is drawn to that. The Holy Spirit is attracted to the ones that are worshiping him. Now there's plenty of people making all kinds of noise doing lip service, but we're talking about those whose hearts are for the Lord. We're talking about those whose hearts are trying to be right and and do right and be upright before the Lord, not just those who are making a lot of noise. God said in his word, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you're just a bunch of white sepulchers, tombs, but you're dead inside full of dead man's bones, and you know, but you go to your synagogues and you do all these things, but you don't know me, you don't listen for me. And as I've said before, sometimes, like Jesus said, we search the scriptures, we read the Bible, thinking we're going to find all, everything. We're going to find an encounter with God there. But unless we're really finding Jesus, sometimes we can just read the Bible religiously. And it's just scripture on the page, apart from the life of the Spirit of God. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures. You search the scriptures because you think in them they have eternal life. And then he paused for him and he said, but it's me that they testify of. It's me that they're talking about. Can't you see? From Genesis to Malachi, the Old Testament, every book talks about Jesus. Every book points us to the Messiah. Every book, you can find Christ in it. We'll get into that in a minute now. Tonight's hearing God night. Tonight's hearing the Spirit of God. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. God said, don't harden your heart like your fathers did in the wilderness. He was talking to the Jews. But see, God will talk to the Gentiles and the Jews. That will talk to us that are born-again Christians, spirit-filled, blood-bought believers that are talking to God. God wants to speak to us. God wants to bless us. God wants to reveal himself to us. And not just in the Bible. Of course, that's his standard. And God exalts his word above himself. But there's a Lezos word, a written word. And there's a rainbow word, which is a preceding word. And we're talking tonight about the preceding word of God, the Holy Spirit, that Jesus said will lead you into all truth and he'll tell you whatever things that I command him to tell you. John said, you don't, have no need, you don't have any need of a man to teach you. But the spirit of truth that's within you will lead you and guide you into all things to your truth. The anointing that's within you. He says, you've received an unction from the Holy One and the anointing that's within you will teach you all things. You don't need a man to teach you. What was he saying? Did he say we didn't need the fivefold ministry to coach us and, and point us in our direction? No. But he's saying, look, you can hear from God yourself. There's only one mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ. And I will send people along to confirm the word, but but you should be listening yourself. See, Jesus and the sheep hear his voice. I know them and they know me. And they know my voice. 
and the voice of a stranger will they not follow, which tells me there's other voices that are competing. There's other distractions out there. There's other voices in your mind. There's other voices in people. There's other voices in the advertisements. There's other voices in churches and in other religions. There's other voices even in the education system and the things that they're teaching our children, things that they're raising uh, children up in our society and some of the things that are out there. There's other voices competing against God's voice. But see, what we need to do is begin to declare with our voice, God's kingdom come, God's will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And we begin to pray that God and God's people take back what the enemy has stolen. See, we need to have Christian television. We need to own all the television stations. Believers do. See, we need to have Christian radio stations, but the believers, the Christians, God's people need to own all the radio, all the real estate. People need to begin to seek the Lord for ideas in the IT technology and then different industries and different places. See, because God will give us knowledge of what he mentioned. The next thing you know, uh, we'll have uh, Holy Ghost Field, Bill Gates coming up in the IT industry. We'll have Holy Ghost-filled politicians, Holy Ghost-filled principals and educators and teachers, Holy Ghost-filled governors and lawyers and businessmen, Holy Ghost-filled doctors, okay? We need to begin to pray God's kingdom come in every single pillar of culture, every single mountain of culture that we face, every single area. To every tribe and every tongue and every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, which means everyone. I don't care if it's your local garbage man or your uh, 7-Eleven, which is our local grocery store, our local convenience store, like our local gas station, even if it's your gas station attendant or your sanitation worker or the janitor, the custodian at the school or business that you work at. Listen, every tribe, every tongue, Jesus wants to reach everyone. His will is that none should perish and often to repentance. Yes, there are those. He already knows their hearts will never turn. But there's many, many, many. He, he knows the minute that they're touched by his presence, the minute that they're touched by the life in his word, the minute that they're touched by the mercy and forgiveness, the minute that they're touched by the grace, the minute that they feel the brush of angels' wings, the minute that they feel glory, the minute that they feel his presence on the inside and that peace that passes understanding, the minute that every hair on their body stands up and, and something on the inside of them just feels so free, because they realize that the blood of Jesus Christ speaks that the God in heaven is real and his name is Jehovah and his son is Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. And he wants to be the master and the ruler of your destiny. He wants to be the Savior and the Messiah and the Lord of your life. And he promises if you'll let him in 
you knock at your door, if you let him in, he'll come in and sit with you and dine with you. He'll speak with you. He'll, he'll get to know you. He'll build a relationship with you. And they that know their God will do, be strong and do great exploits, and he wants to strengthen you. See, in his presence there's fullness of joy. At his right hand there's pleasures forevermore. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. And if you wait upon the Lord, he'll strengthen you. So he says, be of good cheer, be encouraged. Wait on the Lord and, and he'll raise you up. He'll, he'll mount up with wings as eagles. You'll rather not be weary. You're walking out pain. What is he saying? Does, does it mean you're, you're never going to lose it at times? Sure you will, but he'll help you find it. Does it mean you're never going to become broken at times? Oh, yeah, you're going to be broken. But he'll help you put the pieces of your life back together. Does it mean you're never going to be wounded? Yeah, you'll get wounded. You see, because the enemy shoots arrows at you. But you can take a shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the wicked and ask the Lord to put the oil and the salve and the ointment on the wounds. That healing balm of Gilead, the Holy Spirit of God, that begins to heal the heart, begins to heal the wounds, begins to heal the, the emotions, begins to heal the body, begins to heal the mind. Because he is God, he is good, he is good. And his name is Jesus. And so I don't even know what Bible verse I'm going to get into now. I totally shifted gears. I was going to get into the Word. But the Word got into me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Hey, listen, this is Prayer International Radio, and the Holy Spirit is just so good. And I just want to say to God be the glory. We're so thankful for Jesus Christ that shed his blood that saved our souls. So thankful that Jesus Christ is calling us out and snatching us out of the fire. And look, if you're in hell, if you're in crisis, if you're going through things in your life, you can reach out to God. You can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. You can call upon the Lord while he is near. You can draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Why? Because he says, look, I'm here. Just reach out. Just believe. Just believe. Just reach out. That's all he wants. Praise God. Hey, we're praying for you. Just excited about the Lord. So, hey, we want to pray for Tony and Mary in ministry. God bless them in Jesus' name. Uh, we just want to pray that they're not homeless in a couple of months. But Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you provide for Tony and Mary and you would bless their situation. Wherever they are, whoever they are, you know exactly what they need. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Father, we pray that you would move in their lives and reveal yourself in a mighty living way. Father, we pray for those that are listening tonight, Lord, that you would just show yourself strong as the source, as Jehovah Jireh, the provider, that you would show yourself as the living God. And Father, we thank you we thank you, 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 because you're good, even when we're not. You're faithful, even when we're not. You're righteous, even when we're not, and we thank you. 
So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just give you glory we give you honor. And you are our favorite one.
Alright, praise God, we're back. This is Prayer International. And my name is Chris Herzog. Call in number 619-638-8458. Feel free to check it out. Uh, if people are calling in to listen. Also, we have the chat room open. You can find us on Facebook or on the webpage, www.prayerinternational.org. And you can always email us at prayerinternational at gmail.com. Praise God. So, you know, prayer is two-sided conversation. Whenever we pray, we should expect to hear something. And so I want to encourage every Christian not only to pray by speaking, but to begin to prepare yourself to listen to what God might want to say, you know, because prayer can be exciting. When you're conversing with God and learning to hear His voice, God will always speak to us if we keep persevering, if we keep pressing in, if we keep on keeping on with Him in prayer. See, in prayer, that's when we start uh, becoming conscious of the kingdom of God and what's in the mind of God. And we need to realize a lot of times we'll start praying our selfish prayers, but we really need to start praying prayers that are in line with the kingdom of God, prayers that are in line with his kingdom, prayers that are in line with his mind and his heart. See, we need to pray for an increase of the kingdom of God. Find out what's on God's mind. Pray in the Spirit. Begin to ask God what's in His mind. Begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. As you pray, you begin to put words in your mouth to pray. You begin to feel expressions in your heart. Start to pray for an increase of the kingdom. Don't just bring your grocery list to God. Don't just bring your catalog to God. God gets bored with self-centered prayers. But we can ask for the kingdom. God will show interest in you if you show interest in his kingdom. He says, seek first my kingdom and all these things will be added. He gets thrilled. He gets excited when people are seeking first his kingdom. Jesus even said in the model prayer, that kingdom come and it will be done. Jesus prayed the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, Lord, not my will, nevertheless your will be done. There's something that happens when you begin to call in the kingdom, you begin to call it his will, something happens. Something happens. And you can have expectation in God you can expect God to show up. There's not going to be a dryness or a struggle that there was when you started praying for yourself. You begin to worship him. See, Jesus said, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That means we set your name apart. We lift it up. We praise you. We glorify it. He says, Come and fill my presence with singing. Come and fill my courts with thanksgiving and praise. So how are you going to get into his presence? without worship, without expressing your heart and thanksgiving and praise, without hallowing his name. And then when you're in his presence, 
You start praying and asking a first will, Lord. What's your will, Lord? What's your plan, Lord? Show me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Give me eyes to see. Give me ears to hear. Teach my heart. To begin to ask. He says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and that door will be open unto you. So let me read to you Psalm 92. You know, we always read Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Well, let's read Psalm 92, which sometimes gets whatever. It says, It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praise to the name of the Most High, to show forth his loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. And my faithfulness every night. Sorry. I got my speakerphone off. I'm not sure what happened there. But in Psalm 92, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto the name of Most High. To show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night upon an instrument of ten strings, a psaltery, a harp. For thou, O Lord, has made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of your hands. Verse 5. O Lord, how great are thy works. And the thoughts of thy, the, thy thoughts, your thoughts are very deep. A brutish man doesn't know, and a foolish man doesn't understand. And wicked, when they spring forth like the grass, and they do all the works of iniquity, they flourish. It is that they will be destroyed forever. But thou, O Lord, are most high forever. He's saying the wicked will be brought low, but the Lord will stand. That's what he's saying there. Verse 10. But my horn shall thou exalt, like the horn of a unicorn. Here's where I want to get. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Fresh oil represents the Holy Spirit. See, when you get into a fresh presence of God, this is what's going to happen. Verse 11. My eyes shall see my desire on my enemies, and my ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise against me. See, something happens. His eyes were opened, and they began to see. His ears were opened, and he began to hear his desire, desire, desire. See, what you desire... God will give you the desires of your heart, but you've got to seek first his kingdom. But when you get into his presence, he'll begin to open up your eyes. He'll begin to open up your ears, just like verse 11 in Psalm 92 says. 12, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree and shall grow like a cedar. See, there's going to be growth. There's going to be addition. There's going to be a flourishing. There's going to be an abundance. There's going to be a provision. When you get into that place of his presence, you get into that place of blessing with the Lord, you get into that place where your eyes are being opened and your ears are being opened so you can see and hear the plans of God and go in those places. And those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Get planted in the house of the Lord. Get planted in an assembly. Get planted somewhere where you have constant fellowship. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing, abundant and flourishing, to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Praise God, there is no unrighteousness in him. He is our rock. So, Father, we pray that every eye would be open, every ear would be attentive, to hear your voice and to see your plan, to see the things that you have prepared for your people. 
Father, we ask that you move in a mighty way by your spirit seal, your word in our hearts. Help us to have an understanding of Psalm 92. Keep us in your presence. Hide us in the shadow of your wings. Thank you, Lord. We just give you praise. This is Prayer International Radio. <laughs> 